0: Welcome to the Emergence Discipleship Podcast, created to equip ourselves with insight, background, and context into the themes and topics we study each week, first as we gather together to worship Jesus, and then as we go and make disciples. Let's dive into this week's discussion. All right, I hope you all are ready for some insight, background, and context, because I came here to chew bubblegum and give insight, background, and context, and I'm all out of (laughs) bubblegum. Speaking of tasty things I've had today, Jordan smoked some ribs this weekend, and he brought in one for me to share with him. Not share one rib, but he had ribs and he shared one with me. Jordan's on today, by the way.
1: Hey, guys. What's going on? (laughs) Very nice. It's good to be back.
0: Yes. It's good to have you. Um, Yeah, yeah. He smoked those things, and I'm just going to say, it's good to be in the new covenant. (laughs) Um, Yeah. He did a great job. Five hours in the smoker?
1: Five hours in the smoker. We were talking about it the other day and realized that uh, ribs are just the best form of ham.
0: (laughs) That's a good way to think of it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Competing closely with bacon.
0: You should just like oddly stick cloves in it so it's more hammy. (laughs) That would be gross. And just don't tell people and they just eat whole cloves in their ribs.
1: (laughs) They were, they were pretty wonderful. I was also grateful.
0: Yes. Yes, indeed. Well, I'm grateful too. Uh, well, we're not going to talk about ribs. Instead, at least not the whole episode.
1: I mean, there. We. I mean, we could. We are talking about marriage. Yeah, we are talking. So about So there's marriage. there's a context oh for my talking gosh, about ribs. Look at that.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong there. Um, all right, so let's talk about a different kind of rib. Um, let, we are talking today about, as Jordan says, marriage, and uh, the main text is from Genesis chapter two. Um, And the main idea that I've isolated from the Sermon of the Week is that marriage is a covenant established by God that brings about human flourishing. Um, As always, I encourage you to either watch the Community's Extras video and just go by the announcements on there, but if you don't, just keep an eye to the ones that are on the study guide, Um, but uh, also, as always, keep in mind uh, the Servant's Heart Opportunity. Uh, which is excellent and um, in in looking around this week trying to think of what would be the best icebreaker I was like you know what what's the best pizza you've ever had so
1: you just like watching people squirm
0: yeah make people <laughs> squirm and then you can excommunicate uh, from your group anyone who tries bringing a uh, Chicago deep dish into the conversation Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to live there, lived there for, lived in Chicago for uh, five years, lived in Chicago land for, for 10. It's not better. It's not better than New York, right. New We year's have U the Pizza. official word.
1: Yeah. You heard it here first, folks.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't, I don't decry it, but all right. So let's d- dive into the study guide here. Dive right in. Um, so for the final week of our series on creation, we are looking at God's creation of marriage. Having a healthy biblical understanding of this beautiful gift from God is important for everyone, whether married or unmarried. So, um, I broke this study guide into down into four sections. Uh, the first of which is the goodness of marriage. So let's go ahead and begin by reading Genesis chapter two, verses eighteen through twenty-two. Jay Styles, you want that or Jay you want me to do that? Yeah, I got it. <laughs> I can read
1: it. Just remember when I read, I am uh, not always reading the ESV. Sometimes I am. If I'm not, I'll let you know. I'm reading NET. NET today. Right now. Yep. That's good. All right, 218. Uh, the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a companion for him who corresponds to him. The Lord God formed out of the ground every living animal of the field and every bird of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man named all the animals, the birds of the air, and the living creatures of the field. But for Adam, no companion who corresponded to him was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was asleep, he took part of the man's side and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the part he had taken out of the man. And he brought her to the man.
0: All right. There you go. Um, So uh, why is it not good for man or woman to be alone? And what are some examples of the ways that loneliness and solitude have hurt people? I think the basic reason we could say it's not good is because we're apparently not created for that. Right. Um, And uh, so, like, that's a very general way to answer it. But also that, like um, God's got work for us to do in this world, and um, I think as we can attest, having people by your side for most things that God wants us to do is uh, not only wise but also extremely helpful. Um, so I think like those are part parts of it. Um, there is, of course, like the very marriagey stuff to this, like. There are gifts within marriage that we don't enjoy as singles, such as such as sex and and especially such as children. Right. So those things are required as well. So there's Mm -hmm. um, a bunch of a bunch of, uh, you know, different things uh, all the way down to like a very kind of, I guess, experiential answers to this question, such as um, like uh, things like mental health and depression um, Mm -hmm. can definitely spike during you know if you spend a lot of time alone
1: you know i was gonna say it's it feels a little bit they're nuanced but it feels like two different questions one is oh it is what is good about not being alone Mm -hmm. and then the other is why is why is it not good to be alone yeah um and like good about not being alone you just start listing off like why community matters and why uh being with others matters like you you uh have you you gain an awareness of your blind spots Mm -hmm. you um, enjoy companionship and fellowship, you et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, but when, if you want to focus in specifically on uh, why why is it not good for man or woman to be alone, um, then yeah, I think the the like for instance the conversation about mental health, for instance, like we we were made. If, if you can't you can't distinct you can't separate them. You yep. want to talk about why it's not good, and you start the best way to do it is to talk about what's good about not being alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. That's that's it, really interesting
0: yeah yeah it's not just like this like uh post post post-apocalyptic world where like there's only one person left in existence and he's just entertained by the whole world like Mm -hmm. you know in a movie or something um it's it's we're we're created to be social beings and i think some examples like we like the big one that probably comes to a lot of people's minds and i think ryan even mentioned this in the message was um just what a lot of us experienced during some of the harder lockdown Mm period periods in the pandemic You know, not being able to get out, not being able to see friends, not Mm -hmm. being able to see
2: people—that's
0: a—that's a a big—a biggie there.
1: Yeah, many of us need each other just to feel okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And some the the introverts probably chuckled at those comments because it's like I love being alone. Yeah, it's like okay, no, you love being alone a lot of times to recharge. There's a difference. I, I I can say this. I feel like having many friends who are introverted, even mm-hmm. though I myself am not. And so I'm kind of on territory that's not my own, but yeah. there's a truth to like the need to recharge on your own in that space. That's a different thing than spending time with no one. Yeah. Right. Like there's like I, my introverted friends, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, people can answer better for me, but like it seems to me that, uh, just because you're recharged on your own, that doesn't mean that you don't also enjoy all the benefits of companionship and yep. fellowship. And they're
0: right? <laughs> and they're your friends, right? Which is kind of a testimony to that. Exactly, like they, they yeah. know someone. They know you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I could speak as an introvert myself. Mm-hmm. You know that, like, I definitely have a very social aspect to me, but also, like, if I have a day, like, an extra day, like, I'm happy with just doing stuff by myself. Mm-hmm. But it also drives me insane, and. Kind of, it's, it's just not good to stew in your own thoughts mm. all day. You mm. know, you need, you need other people to balance you. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. And so this is not in a, in a little bit of a meta way. This is not like, Hey, being, uh, you should never be without people. That's different mm-hmm. than, than, uh, it's not good to be alone. Yeah. It's not good to be alone is more so a comment on life in general and yeah. how you should not be isolated. We were made to be with community, right. to have commu- to walk alongside people. We were not made to not do that. Yeah.
0: Um, yep. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Um so next question, well, while marriage is a tremendous gift, it is also biblically obvious that people who are not married are perfectly capable of flourishing as fulfilled disciples of Christ, as both Jesus and the apostle Paul were never married. How can singles experience the blessing of intimacy and close personal fellowship in a way that honors God and satisfies their hearts? Um, I think it's particularly incumbent upon singles in the church to be, quote unquote, plugged in. Right. Like if anybody needs to be, um, you know, forming deep friendships and like purposely making friendships like like you can't be the kind of person who goes to a church, um, part, uh, you know, participate, listens to the sermon, sings and then just stands around and then. Uh, is upset that nobody came and talked to you you know you got to get in there you got to make the inroads and obviously people at a church should be greeting you should be welcoming you in different ways and stuff mm-hmm. but it's totally possible also to just kind of like be in that like one little runt of the litter who can't get in you know um and um and you know so singles i think need to particularly make it a point to form relationships with people Within the body of Christ. Not to say that married people don't, Mm -hmm. but like your marriage by by its very nature is not being alone. And so you have to, you have to, you know, purposely avail yourself of those opportunities and really take advantage of your singleness in that way, whether it's serving or just being part of groups and things like that
1: yeah you gotta you gotta recognize that there's there's one part of this conversation that is hey friendship matters Mm -hmm. um and friendship in the truest full sense of the word like a robust understanding of friendship like i'm actually seen by people Mm -hmm. people know who i am i walk alongside them through life when life things happen to me there are people alongside who are walking with me um, and so that's not just I enjoy doing some things with these people. I feel like uh, I feel like some of our more like uh, British theologian people would call those pals rather than, you know, like I'm thinking of chaps. Pic- yeah, chaps. I'm picturing like the Blokes. way C.S. Lewis would describe different kinds of relationships. Right. Um, but like in, the, in, in a robust sense of what understanding friendship is. Um, There is this communal aspect to, hey, I'm seen and I'm still loved, and Mm -hmm. that is part of the way I was made to be as an expression of the gospel. Like I am here to – under, part of the way I understand the way that God knows and loves me is because I'm walking with people who know and love me, and I'm in the act of knowing and loving other people. And that does not have anything to do with marriage in the sense that you can have that experience and relationship with any human being
0: yeah there's almost more opportunities to do that if you're single than if you're that's actually what i was going to yeah.
1: say so like our, uh, our the married folk of us need to like that we have in one sense a push to recognize hey there is a human being whom you've committed your life to who you're with all the time now your responsibility is to walking in transparency walking in community and so it would be incumbent of you and probably wrong of you not to be walking in transparency and community and friendship with your spouse in that way. Yes. Because that's who you've committed your life and time to, right? And so there's that reality that's like, hey, if so, you need to uh, you need to work hard to be friends and uh, in in transparent communal relationship with the one you've committed your life to mm-hmm. as a married person. Yeah. If you haven't committed your life to a particular human being other than Jesus, yeah. um, then you have— like you said, in many ways, a lot more opportunity to have deep, communal, true friendships. And so, like, that's always a balancing act, no yep. matter who you are. It's figuring out how to steward time and to steward relationships, and that's something Jesus calls us to do well. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, uh, like, when you're married, you should absolutely be in that kind of relationship with your spouse. I, I find it interesting. I've had the joy um, walking through with our premarital couples and with a lot of the people who serve in capacities to serve uh, the premarital couples here. I've had the joy of talking to a lot of really just wonderful couples who really have been walking in marriage for a while, been walking with Jesus for a while, have um, tried and failed and succeeded, and they know they've been walking through life and they've learned a lot about what it means to have a good marriage. And one thing that's been really fascinating as I've had all those conversations is I just I noticed it the other day. There's this thread that runs through every single one of them. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's distinct, right? There's, uh, I'm speaking specifically with people who all have share in distinction that they both do, truly love Jesus. So that's real. That's the first one. But within that, the thing I've noticed that has um, contributed to being healthy, mature, married believers in that sense is that they're genuinely really good friends. Mm. And so there is yeah. this communal aspect yeah, committed there, right? And again, that doesn't, you don't have to be married to be really good friends with people and express the love of Jesus. Yeah. Um, and like that's what makes the marriage fun when you're friends. Yeah. 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 It all, it's what makes it healthy in a lot of ways. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. it is a tremendous gift but you don't need to be married in order to enjoy the gifts of that communal friendship. Absolutely. Transparency.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, always, I always like to stick stuff in there because I feel like when we do talk about marriage, we need to we we do need to also elevate singleness as a legitimate way of living the Christian life. You yeah, know. Yeah. Um, what are some common threads of the most fulfilling relationships you've had? Well, here you just talked about a common f- thread in a lot of marriage relationships, the mm-hmm. the genuine friendship, yeah. um, things. And I, I think for me, like uh, time spent, <laughs> mm. you know, just the time spent, and even like uh like purposely um, spending time, you know, like I've mm. got a friend who no longer lives around here, but like we will purpose purposely try to carve out, you know, seven thirty on Thursday mornings. We're going to do a phone call and mm. we're going to pray together and stuff, mm. you know, just to, so like the intentionality, I suppose is a big, is a big thing. Mm. Um, what about you, Jordan? Any, uh, common threads that you see in, in the more fulfilling friendships that you've had?
1: Yeah. Time is a huge one. Um, because sometimes that just happens to you and Mm -hmm. other times you have to be intentional about it, Mm -hmm. but it is, that is unique across that. Um, I would say another one is, um, like openness. I don't know Mm -hmm. how else I I, I kind of, I'm trying to dancing around the words in my head, trying to figure out the best way to say this, but it is uh, one of the most common threads I see in my closest relationships is like, there is, how do I say this? It is possible for one of you to just be mm-hmm. in front of the other. You know, you can express yeah. what's really on your heart and what's really on your mind. Yeah. And there's a, there's a freedom of like, hey, there's going to be grace and understanding because this person knows and loves me. And I know I have seen them extend grace and understanding. And so I trust that they will. And I have extended grace and understanding to them. And so there's this just kind of like freedom. So, that so like one another's faults
0: are one another's faults are in play.
1: They're in play. Yeah. 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 They're absolutely in play. If they weren't, there would be fear that they might get seen. Which is part of the there.
0: intimacy conversation that we, we will be having in a little bit.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So there's the, yeah. Almost like uh, having fault. That's almost like when, you know, you've crossed the threshold, right? Mm-hmm. When like. You you know and they know the ways in which you're a knucklehead, yes, you know, yeah. and yeah.
1: then there's another threshold where it's not just that you and they know, but that you and they are comfortable to talk about it. Together. yeah,
0: yeah, 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 <laughs> you're comfortable talking about it, yeah, yeah, and you know that no one's no one's feelings are getting hurt, yes, exactly. yeah. Um, all right, so that's a little bit on the intro part. Now let's talk about man and woman, uh, the creation of you know both sexes, both mm-hmm. genders. Uh, in the sermon, Ryan explained how the phrase translated, a helper fit for him, contains elements of being like, but also opposite or different than one another. Hmm. In what meaningful ways are men and women like one another, and in what meaningful ways are they different? So just to explain here, obviously this is an idea that I <laughs> that I planted in Ryan's head when we were discussing the message, but... Um, it's uh it's one of those I I like how like the opening chapters in Genesis do have a bunch of like fun Hebrew things to say like mm-hmm. tohu vabohu, formless and void but this is another one the helper uh fit for him as it's typically translated or I think yours uh the your NET had corresponding to him mm-hmm. um is that right I think it had corresponding um
1: yep who corresponds to him yeah
0: uh it's ezer Konegdo.
1: ezer Konegdo.
0: Konegdo. yeah and so In Hebrew, the preposition k means like or as, and neged means um, in front of or opposite. Hmm. And so they, but they like one facing another, like one
1: like each other. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Like you're neged me right now Mm -hmm. across the table from me. And so, like, uh, k neged. Kenegdo and then him, right? So, like, corresponding to him, like, opposite to him. So, both those things are kind of, which are kind of like at odds with each other, right? But they're both, they're both it. So, like, yeah, there's a way in which the woman is like the man, but there's also a way in which she's, she's, there's a difference between them. They're, they're facing one another. Mm -hmm. They're, they're, you are not me. You are not identical to Mm me. You're not just like me. You're also,
1: they're in that way. There's so this idea of shared substance, but also complementing, right? Mm-hmm. In in the shape sense of the like in the geometry sense of the word, right? Like or in the math sense of the word. Mm-hmm. Like there's one that matches the other on the opposite the, on its opposite side. Y- yeah.
0: Yeah. Jordan's doing a gear thing with his hands. Yes, yeah, yes.
2: exactly.
0: There you go. So <laughs> um uh so what in what meaningful ways are men and women like one another, in what meaningful ways are they different? So yeah so obviously this is going to be open to a lot of different things. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) I guess like try. All right. So like one, one thing that I had in mind in asking this question is I think we can often like put confused stereotypes for, um, real traits of masculinity or femininity. Right. So Mm -hmm. like guys like hunting and like to drive trucks and stuff like that. And, You know, and women like to you know sew and play with dolls and
1: and you know to speak truth where there's truth. Yeah, this is some this is part of what the um, the person who wants to push back and say those are all socially constructed. They're all culturally constructed. Mm -hmm. Like this is where they're right in that sense. There's a reality in which what we expect of of our um, general construct and what we're born as, what sex we're born with, and all those Mm -hmm. things, like what we expect of those things, is largely informed. By what people, how people treat us, and what people look to us and talk about, and what the similar people around us are doing, and et cetera, et cetera. So it is this conversation about stereotypes. Yeah. And the reality is, we're called to in like gentleness and love, love the image of God that's born in a human being, no matter yeah. how they express that kind of thing in that sense. And so the person who pushes back and says like, Hey, this is, those are all just like uh, cultural uh, pressures, et cetera. They're defined by the culture, not by whatever. That person is actually putting their finger on something that's really true of the Imago Dei. Yeah. It's like that. this human being who might be expressing themselves in a way that's not the expected norm of culture, Mm -hmm. that might be just a beautiful image of God in that human being's life. That's totally possible. And,
0: And because you missed that point, I think that's where a lot of this confusion about gender crops up in our society. Yes, exactly. So like this boy likes pink. He obviously must be a, maybe he's a, he's a girl in a boy's body or something. You yeah. Know?
1: And, and that's, that's, a, um, I would just encourage, especially cause we're, we're, we're having a conversation as leaders of community groups here. So I would just encourage a lot of gentleness in the way we have this specific conversation because yeah, yeah, people yeah. tend to get really fired up about these things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the reality is like the image of God is on every man and every woman. Yeah. And we all bear that image and like it doesn't say anywhere that there's an image of male God and an image of female God. We're mm-hmm. in the image of God yeah. and we should, and we should have good informed conversations about uh, consistencies or inconsistencies or social expectations or um, genetic uh, tendencies or like Brian was talking about, like muscle mass and, and uh, like uh, there's another one that's like hip size. Yeah. The there's things that are, you shoulder. Know, exactly. Yeah. Stuff, there's plenty yeah. of things like that. We should have good informed conversations about that, but we need to base them on the rock of the doctrine of the Imago Dei. Mm-hmm that we are made in the image of God, both male and female made in the image of God.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And and complementary to one another. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So like, you know, some, so, so, you know, so meaningful ways, obviously, um, obviously image of God, intelligence and Mm -hmm. things like that, you know, uh, whereas like meaningful ways in which men and women are different. Like, I think that And again, you're going to be painting in generalities, so Mm -hmm. you'll always have like exceptions to the rule and Mm -hmm. things like that. But like, um, you know, I I think women tend to have more um, have an easier time forming, um, uh, forming nurturing relationships than men do. Mm -hmm. Um, Women tend to have an easier time talking about feelings. Um, than men do. And I don't know if this is due to our fallenness or whatnot, but I have experienced in my times, as, in my years as a Christian, I've often observed that women often tend to develop love relationships with God better, or with Jesus in particular, better than guys do um or or, or easy mm. more easily more readily mm. and i don't you know i'm just kind of like riffing off the top of my head here like there might be counter examples and i'm sure there is and stuff mm-hmm. you know but um just like you know a, a um uh like like i don't know as a guy um loving Jesus just feels a little awkward to say Hmm. like there's an inherent male awkwardness or whatever. Hmm. Maybe it's because you don't typically, you know, guys don't typically tell other guys that they love them where it's easier for a female to say, I love, um, that one's not,
1: I don't want to, I don't want to date the two of us, but that one's interesting. That one feels interestingly generational to me. Maybe it is because I in in my upbringing. There's
0: quite a difference in in (laughs) date
1: right there. In in my upbringing, everyone talked about how men never talked, said they loved each other. But then, true, like just in general, my experience has been that friendship as a whole, no matter if you're male or female, yeah, is really rare. Yeah. People like, because there's not anything to really base it on. Like C.S. Lewis said, friendship is like standing shoulder to shoulder looking at the same thing, Mm -hmm. right? Like, the people in culture, if there's nothing like sincere to look at, Mm -hmm. then there's not going to be a lot of opportunity to make sincere friendships. We're just going to have friendships about how we both like coffee, or we're just going to have friendships about how we both enjoy playing this game together or going to this park together. Like, there's, and then it's not really based on anything deep. Mm -hmm. And as culture has become a little bit more shallow because people are maybe afraid to say what, true of them in Mm -hmm. some ways because of the way that culture has become more sensitive and offendable and whatnot. All those things have kind of contributed, I think, in some ways to being like, it's not just that men have a harder time saying they love each other. And maybe that has been the case. But in my experience, it's now like everyone has a hard time even knowing what love means.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, And so it's twisted.
1: And so men and women... Uh, to the extent that women were better at expressing love, or maybe still would be today, mm-hmm. I feel like everyone's just a little bit not as good as we used to be. Yeah. And so maybe men are a little bit better than they used to be, but everyone's worse. Yeah, still. I mean, I, I will say that, <laughs> if,
0: like my my closer male relationships, like we don't really have any problems saying "I love you" mm-hmm. or "Love you, man," or something like that. Yeah. You know, like, but
1: like you said, speaking in generalities, but, yeah. it's like as a cultural whole, that. Like I know, everyone used to. In my upbringing, everyone talked about how that was the case, and then was like, "We're pushing back against that." Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Yeah. It's weird what I just said. I said "love you, man," right, which is a normal thing for a guy to say because it's. But you, but like you, almost got to stick that "man" at the end. Otherwise, it it feels weird. So that yeah, so that. (laughs) But that might be one of these cultural things too. You know? Yeah. So. All right. What are some common cultural errors regarding the sameness and difference between men and women?
1: And I think we've talked about a few of those already I here. Think we, we had a good we, we dipped the toe in with the stereotype. Yeah. And the image of God conversation It's yeah, yeah. real.
0: Anything else that comes to mind there?
1: Um, uh, you know, I, um, I think Ryan hit it well when he said that the number one emotion displayed displayed by Jesus, yeah. who is a man, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, is compassion. Yeah. And, and the reason that that hits it well is because people have this expectation that women are compassionate, men are not. Yeah. Or women are gentle, men are not. Yeah. Um, and there's this, when you have the muscle mass conversation and all those different things, you have that little bit of uh, discussion, then yeah, I guess maybe historically it makes sense that women tend to be the gentle, et cetera. But women are also tend to be nurturers because they have children. Yeah. Like within them and caring for them and needing them in certain ways that they can't necessarily be needed by men. Yeah. Um. But that doesn't mean that men are not gentle. That doesn't mean that men are not compassionate. That doesn't mean that women are not... um, What's the right word? Because I don't mean strong. I mean, like, endurant, like, uh, capable, like, Mm -hmm. powerful. You can have women that are incredibly powerful. Those things are not, like, based in physical structure, like the need to wean a child or something. Um,
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, yeah, Uh, those are definitely cultural errors because those are expected in some ways.
0: I think another one, which is... um, maybe maybe might be a little bit weird for me to say here um but um i know i i think a cultural error also is that men are um the only ones who really struggle with like um uh s- struggle with sexual boundaries you know like whether it's like the viewing of pornography or whether it's the um whether it's um you know adultery or you know sleeping around outside of marriage like you know if um uh i in my experience i i think you know not like uh, there there's certain appropriateness with what like women will share with a male pastor you know mm-hmm. so but like in my experience like that's something that is very much i don't see unique to to one of the one of the genders either but mm-hmm. this this you know kind of cultural idea that men are just like uh dogs and are always looking you know mm-hmm. to to sleep around or something like that i think is you know, um, maybe needs to be attenuated a little bit. Yeah. Um, how have you experienced blessing from being in a close relationship with someone who is different from you?
1: Hmm. And all of the married people say, <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. My wife is the automatic one because yeah. my wife and I have like very few interests together. You know, like mm-hmm. that, like share very few interests. You know, like all the music I like, nope. All the music she likes, nope. Movies, you know, we have a heck of a time deciding what we're going to watch on Netflix, <laughs> not just because Netflix's uh, um, selection stinks. But, um, yeah, um, but I've been tremendously blessed by that. Mm. Um, but, you know, I know that also, um, you know, uh, I've uh, I, I'm i very blessed by my relationships with my brother and his friends who mm. tend to be like burly union workers mm. And that is like so different than me. I'm like, oh no, the tire's flat. I need to take out the manual. You know, let's figure out how to change this.
1: <laughs> I was just recently watching the newest um, uh, Nate Bargatze comedy sketch. Oh yeah, on, is it on any Amazon good? Prime? Yeah it's, yeah, it's really it's entertaining. Um, and he's he's like wonderfully clean in a lot of ways too. Mm. And so like, like Brian he's, Regan, he's, he's very yeah. He's like a he's like a spiritual uh, successor to Brian Regan oh, in a lot okay. of ways. He's pretty awesome. Um, but he, he has this whole bit where he talks about how his wife is the man of the house because he knows none of those things. And one of, <laughs> one of them, and I was laughing so hard because, um, in some, in some ways, a lot of these wires, uh, overlap with my relationship mm-hmm. with my wife as well. But, um, uh, so it, as an example, which is also true of mine, he, he made a joke about how, you know, his wife is the one who mows their lawn and he was like, well, I need, it's like, I'm okay with this but I need you to go around to all our neighbors and tell them that you do this willingly. And this is your <laughs> choice. <laughs> That's true. I and, can see that. And it's funny because I literally, I, I was laughing so hard because literally my wife also mows our lawn and it's also her <laughs> choice. It's like, I, j- we had a conversation enjoy about it. it. I your neighbors about it. I did not make her go Look and at my wife. To she won't neighbors. let me mow the lawn. Just <laughs> working in casually to co- every conversation. Um, but yeah, no, again, like uh, talk about differences, right? Like, my 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 wife loves t- tending to outside things like gardening mm. and uh like genuinely enjoys the like smell of cut grass and those kind of things i could care less most of the time you know yeah, yeah. i will do what i have to but it's not anything that like brings me life you're like you know? wearing
0: <laughs> an apron inside and putting fresh baked apple pies on <laughs> no, the windows. the funny thing is i'm not doing that either <laughs> hannah also loves doing those things
1: to be fair um <laughs> uh, there's we have different strengths and weaknesses um I, Honestly, like when I if I'm mowing the lawn and I'm gonna get any joy out of it, I'm getting joy because I'm getting to do something that I know will bless ah. my family, not because I'm getting joy because it's like mowing the lawn is fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah.
0: yeah. Although, like, it's satisfying when you get the line. You're able to get the lines. In oh it. yeah, you get the diamond like <laughs> yeah. uh, golf golf yeah. course lines. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fairway lines. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although my my yard has the topography of like a World War One battlefield, so <laughs> it's hard to <laughs> so. <laughs> That's great. Um, all right. Um, how would you respond to someone who thinks that the biblical depiction of woman's creation uh, makes females inherently inferior to men? With what level of compassion would you like uh, to respond no, well, it's to It's got to be compassionate. That's the whole point. <laughs> it's the whole point. Uh, but, yeah, was, I mean, there's a at, com-
1: a, at a zero compassion level. I want to say you, you're wrong. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. There's, um, you know, and people might pull this. Okay, so pull it from like, well, she's the helper, Mm -hmm. and a helper. Let's have Let's have a little side combo about the word helper. So what do we do? Yeah. So what do we do with that? What do we do with the helper thing?
1: Do you want? Do you want me to have it, or do you want to have? it? I want you to let me know. All right. Because I'm the
0: sexist here.
1: (laughs) Well, um, I would love to point you to some resources about what the word that is translated as helper means. So offended in the Bible. Um, because we're really focused on making sure we truly understand the intent of the Holy Spirit authoring these texts, mm, right? Yes. So we want to have a good conversation about the meaning of the words. Okay, all right. The word for helper in yeah. Hebrew is Ezer.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. Which is a not, which is a language that is isn't English, you know, it's in Hebrew. And so let's look, let's have a conversation about, this is what I would do. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say, Hey guys, go and do this. But I would be like, let's have a conversation about where the word Ezer is used elsewhere in the Bible so that we can really know like how this is used. And where is is it used elsewhere? For God. Oh my goodness.
0: Well, you know what? I think that the Hebrew language is made up by the By the man to keep us down. (laughs) To keep us down. Perpetrated keep the balloons up. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) It's gonna get shot. Those balloons are gonna get shot down by F twenty twos. Any yeah. So the one who's most called a helper in the Bible is God. So this is like
1: the the image of Ezer is not the person sweeping the floor who you uh, don't pay much attention to who comes in because you've saw a need and threw some money at the door, mm. et cetera. Like there's no condescension here whatsoever. Yeah. Um, the image of Ezer is someone fell in a hole and the stronger person reached down their arm and picked them up and helped them out of the hole.
0: Yep. <laughs> yeah. And and I also like, I, I think like, you know, biblically, like you've got a lot of, there's a good amount of stories in the Bible that kind of ju- where like, where, you know, where women are shown to like, I would say like show men up, but definitely come off as like, you know, the, 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 the stronger moral character, like a big example. And I, you can find these all over the place, but a bit, a good example of that is, uh, is Abigail, David's wife, mm-hmm. right. Who not only like, like saves her husband, mm-hmm. Nabal, but mm-hmm. also kind of like stops David from mm-hmm. doing something terrible.
1: Makes me think you know? of Moses's wife in that little side on the road story on the way oh, yeah, back to yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah, which yep.
0: we all know exactly what that story is. Yeah, means. we firmly understand it. Yeah. But no matter what we think of
1: it, clearly it's not Moses who does the action that saves Moses there.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's a. I, I think of like the women disciples, all the mm-hmm. guys are like getting the heck out of Dodge and they're like all there at the cross, yes, you know. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: I think of um I think of Hannah. Mm-hmm. In, I uh, bet you do. Samuel, yes. Oh, Hanna, and Samuel, Hanna's my wife's okay, name. Okay, so I do okay. think of Hannah a lot. Yeah. No, but I think of uh, the character Hannah yes. in uh, Samuel's mother in the Book of Samuel, um, who just is incredibly faithful and uh, just totally trusting, and um, is the one who is like uh, what her she's the one who finds herself going to God rather than going to other sources. Like, she is in suffering, and she just goes directly to God with it. Right. Yeah. Yep. Like, And the reason that's a, that matters is because that's a beautiful picture of integrity and, and honor, and most of the time people in the Bible, men or women, yeah. do not have that beautiful picture the, of honor. The, so who do they describe this beautiful picture of honor with? It's actually Hannah. It's yep. a woman, like yep. one of the first people in the Bible to be described that way.
0: Yeah. Uh, no doubt one of the reasons why the name is so popular mm-hmm. And um, like, and she shows up like the, the, the male priest that's Mm -hmm. there, Eli, you know, who like can't recognize praying from being drunk, you know? Um, I think also like another angle on this might be like, you know, um, I do think it's biblical to say that there's a distinction in roles between men and women. Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, but even there, like, even, even if you want to like talk about like, like submission and things like that, right. Like. That too is not inferiority, right? Like mm-hmm. it's not like 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 Jesus submits to the Father, mm-hmm. but Jesus is not inferior mm-hmm. to the Father, right? He yeah, shares We have a
1: hard time understanding that. Yeah. Trinitarianly Trinitarianly or however you want to say that, we have a hard time understanding Yeah, it. we yeah. have a hard time understanding it because of our matching relationships. Yeah,
0: and and definitely sometimes that gets carried away where people want to talk about like the eternal submission of the son to the father or something which might not be a thing um you know but at least you could say like in his time on earth you know in, in the incarnation he is in submission to the father yeah, yeah.
1: by willful choice yep yep
0: yeah. um okay um let's go to genesis 2 23 through 24 you got this one so Doug, or do you want me to i pull think i up? could i think i could do that all yeah right. all right um Then the man said, this is this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. So consider the biblical descriptions of the marriage relationship in these verses, as well as the squeaky table. (laughs) Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife. In light of these, how does a married person's life look different than a single person's? So it's
1: just a surface level <laughs> question, you know. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, there's these are extreme ways of describing oneness, right? Mm-hmm. Like your very bones and your very flesh don't don't belong to you. They're not they're not just yours. Yeah. Like so yeah. So there's there's that. Um, and 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 in fact, it's the picture there is of making a new composite, as opposed to like your you just are your husband's property or your your wife's property. Now, yeah, you know. And
1: you know, it's interesting. Um, in in light of this, how does a married person's life look different than single person's? Before before we just jump to that really quickly. Um, I found it interesting. So, one of the reasons that I I uh, chose NET when I read previously in the eighteen to twenty two passage was um. Net is careful to say that God took part of the man's side and closed up the place, mm-hmm. rather than. And mo, I believe ESV is as well, or something. Um, but mm-hmm. there's this like kind of uh, hanging on, uh, like hanging Chad sort of deal about <laughs> the um, the KJV uh, took the rib, the rib, yeah, from, from the person. Yep. Um, and it's it's scholarly understood that the word refers to the side. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, you're right. It's the side, but it's it's interesting Mm -hmm. to me because God looks at this one human who's in His image and says, "Nope, not good. That it's one. It needs to be. It needs to not be alone." Mm -hmm. And so He takes the He takes the half basically. He takes the side of the man and makes woman, and then says, "Here, I'm going to give you woman and go be one." Yeah. And so in God's in God's perfect design, it was not good. That there would be this single, single image. Mm-hmm. It was good that there would be two who will become one together. Mm. Yeah. Um. And so I, I think. Yeah. Which is interesting, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's
0: just one. Then he makes two. And then they're one again. Yes. If ideally yeah. they're one again, but yeah. it wasn't
1: good if they're actually truthfully only one. Yeah. It's good that they're two and they become one. Yep. Yep. And so it's. I think that speaks theologically to uh, something our culture is really comfortable or really familiar with, which is like many people's longings to be married or mm-hmm. longings to know the kind of romantic intimacy or relational intimacy. Yep. Um. And that's another side comment on that intimacy thing, like. Uh, relational intimacy is not unique to marriage, mm-hmm. right? We, we culturally, we have a hard time understanding that you can be have an intimately, like a truly intimate, transparent friendship. Right. Um, yeah. And that's like the David and Jonathan conversation yeah. that people. Well, that's what really we were talking understand. about earlier. Exactly. Yeah. Um But because culturally we don't really have that understanding, the only place people ever see that is in marriage or relationships. And so we've we've kind of put this expectation of, Hey, the only way to have that true intimacy that I long for that I know somehow in my bones I was made for Mm. is in relationship in marriage. Yeah. Um, And that is a way, but it is, it's not the only way. Um, It's worth saying anyway, being one, not good (laughs) being two, who will now become one because God's gifted you to each other. Yeah. Good.
0: Yep. Yeah. 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 And I think the other piece of it too is obviously the, um, so the transfer of your closest familial relationship,
1: that's the, yeah. yes, exactly. So and in, not in, our, being in a, our premarital, we have that conversation and we call yeah. it, um, cords of dependence. Yeah. Right. There's cords of loyalty and there's cords of dependence. And so like you have to actually break those things when you get married. It's, it's a like, crucial to the health of your marriage. Yeah. And, those and couples who
0: aren't really able to do that well or wisely, not mm-hmm. to say you make enemies of your in-laws. Right. But yeah. Um, couples who aren't able to do that often have another level of, there's too many cooks in the kitchen here. Correct. And, and there's a, there's
1: a very real, like you can feel the betrayal, uh, the seed of betrayal when you've been hurt in a spousal relationship and someone goes to a family member instead of you. Yes. There's this lack of like, it's not going the way it's supposed to go. Yep. You know?
0: Yep. 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 Yeah. Um, Okay, so um, their next question is, what is the practical implication that Paul draws from this passage in Genesis when he references it in Ephesians 5, 28 through 31? So this is the passage that says, you're you're queuing up your phone.
1: I, I am because I'm currently in an Ephesians study with a close friend of mine, oh, okay. and so I literally just went so over this. So you want to look at this. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So do you want to read it then? Or you want you, me to read it? You can it? read it. Okay.
0: In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And don't worry, we will get back to the end of that passage at the end of the study. So, I'm not leaving off the the best part there. Uh, but um yeah, so what is the what are the implications he draws out there and it's pretty much a one thing that I'm looking for although you could get creative with it. Um what do you th- uh you got an uh, idea? If you
1: got one thing you're looking for, I would love to know what the one All thing right, you're all right. The is. one
0: thing I'm fishing for that I'm just upset that people can't read my mind. is that that because you're one flesh, because you are basically a a new composite person in some ways— Hurting your spouse hurts yourself mm. to 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 treat your spouse like garbage oh, is to treat it, yourself Doug, that like goes garbage. true the other way too man
1: <laughs> hurting yourself hurts your spouse yes oh, man. yeah that's true too yeah I man yeah my relationship to food that hurts me yeah it hurts my spouse that is a true experience <laughs> yeah.
0: your livers like thanks thanks Hannah you're my pal you're <laughs> Yeah, that's true yeah that's yeah great. yeah Um but that's that's essentially like the insight that I'm that I was thinking about.
1: Um that's uh, fascinating. Did you have anything you wanted to add to that or? Um the practical implications that he's drawing from the passage, um, mm-hmm. I find it fascinating because he uses, he spends all this time talking about how the context leading up in Ephesians is talking about how, hey, you who believe in Jesus now, you look different. You are of a different nature. You're of the light. You're not of the darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, you act differently than those in the darkness. what uh, Now, why would you go and do the things they hide then don't even allow light into? They hide because they're ashamed of them, mm-hmm. right? like um, By the way, don't expect... Like you should be careful in how you operate because people don't enjoy having light shined on the things they were hiding. They were hiding them for a reason, etc., yeah. cetera, etc. Cetera. Go out with wisdom, right? Um, and he's talking about all these things, and he's talking about mutual submission and loving one another, and how as believers we ought to express our honor for the res- the the sacrifice of Jesus in the way we we are one with one another and we submit to one another. Mm-hmm. Then he goes, best picture of that, okay, wives, okay. Husbands. And he like starts addressing the individual thing. And so marriage is like he kind of like offshoots off the highway of this conversation into the conversation about marriage in that Ephesians passage. Yep, And then he just like shoots right back and goes, I'm telling you, that's what the church is like. He's like, that's what Jesus and his relationship to the church is like. Yeah. And so he kind of gives you this opportunity for those of us who are married specifically, and those of us who uh, have ears to hear and can listen to the truth about marriage, whether or not it's a stage we're in in life or a state we ever will be in life, the the truth remains either way. You get this opportunity to go, hey, when I learn more about that, then I learn more about my relationship to Jesus. Mm. When I learn more about that, then I learn more about Jesus' relationship to his people. Mm. Um, And one of the things that's beautiful about that is this picture of, A, uh, my goal is to see you be whole, healthy, happy, holy, joyful, flourishing. And to know that that's your goal for me as well. Hmm. And so that's not always going to look like uh, sunshine and butterflies. Sometimes it's going to look like hard conversations. Sometimes it's going to look like shining light on things that you were hiding in the dark. But the reality is we're here for each other. Yeah, we have each other's best interests in mind at the top of everything we're doing. Yep. Um And that's we live in a broken and fallen world, which we'll get to next week. But the reality is that's the goal. Right? Mm-hmm. that we're for each other. And so you bring that conversation, talk about the practical implications of what he's drawn out of that, bring that conversation into the church and Jesus mm-hmm. and the way we interact with each other. Man, we, could, we have access to a kind of spiritual power because of our trust in Jesus and because of our acknowledgement of what, his go- what the gospel has done in our lives. Yeah. We have access to a kind of power that should be empowering us to be transparent with one another, to submit to one another out of love and reverence for Christ. Um, to shine light on dark places in our own lives and in the lives of others, and not be afraid to do so, and to do so, to learn to do so with gentleness because of the power of Jesus. Like, there's so much packed in yeah. to the practical outflow of like, how does what does this mean for us as far as what he talks about in Ephesians? I, I've been really loving walking through that on a personal yeah, note. Um, but yeah, the 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 point that you draw out about like, hey, when you're when you hurt your spouse, you're hurting yourself hmm There's nothing more practical in as far as like what when the rubber hits the road there Yeah, because what does your repentance look like when you've hurt your spouse and you know, it's also that's something that hurts yourself Are you you're quick to repent right like because you want things to be healthy and good and right and true You don't want to stew in things that are broken for both of you. Yep. Um, and so if you're the cause who cares if they're the cause who cares the goal is to get to health together it doesn't matter which one of like your pride's not a not an obstacle.
0: Yeah. And the and the work the process of working through that is itself a blessing and a good thing. You know, like just being disi- able an act to of say, discipleship to Jesus as a member yeah, of the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like working through hardship is itself a way in which you both grow and become stronger and the relationship Absolutely. becomes stronger. Yeah, yeah.
1: So why don't why don't you uh, explain the differences between a a contractual view of marriage and a covenantal view of marriage? Yeah,
0: this is a little bit. uh, I think I think this is. uh, You get a lot of this in Tim Keller's book on marriage Mm -hmm. meaning meaning of marriage, which is a great great book. Um, But basically, like in a in a contract, the idea is like, um, I agree to do this as Mm -hmm. long as I'm getting out of it. What um uh what i expect to get out of it yeah, right so I made the goods versus I'm, services rendered yes. comment mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah
1: I, yeah like it, that's
0: and and a contract in business is what you want like you're guarding you know you're gu- you're ensuring that you're getting a certain thing mm-hmm, by doing this mm-hmm. um whereas in a covenant right it's a commitment to a person mm-hmm. um and it's a and it's it, it's as much about me as it is a, about squeezing something Mm -hmm. or it's more so about me than it is about squeezing something or obligating Mm -hmm. someone else to be something or to do something. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think that that's, um, it's a, it can be a really good like preaching point to, um, to bring out the, the reality of the difference between covenant and contract. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been interested as like academically and in a scholarly sense, I've, noticed like uh, that it's not necessarily as clean as straightforwardly covenant is always this and contract is always this right right yeah um, but it's it's a really good um point to be able to b- highlight that there is a difference here that we don't understand um i i heard it really you said that um it's in tim keller's book mm-hmm. the um uh, the meaning of marriage yes. you're referring to yeah fantastic book um I, I was first exposed to this idea in 2014 I think, Um, I believe it was uh, Jefferson Bethke was talking at a creation festival or something like that. And he, he brought up this concept of how in our culture, we don't really, we don't treat relationships and marriage as covenant, right? We treat them as contract. It's like, okay, that's what we're talking about. One of the things that he brought up that's been really helpful for me uh, as I've meditated on this idea of how Mm -hmm. marriage is different in this way is that we have a few covenant relationships in life, but our culture only has one left. They've all been turned into contract relationships. Mm. The only one that is still covenant is parenting. Mm. And that's specifically parent, the parent-child relationship. Yes, yeah. right. Can you imagine the absurdity, and this is the example he used, but can you imagine the absurdity of your five-year-old spilling milk across the kitchen counter because they're not paying attention and their arms are flailing all over the place and you have to clean it up and you get upset and you yell at them and you go, you know what, you're not my son anymore. I've I've had enough. I'm done. This this is not. I'm not getting what I want out of this anymore. Yeah. yeah. You know. Uh, thankfully, our and culture that sounds hears crazy that even, as absurd. Yeah,
0: that sounds crazy even to someone who's totally correct, secular in their views. Yeah. Correct.
1: But what's what's nuts is you realize when you realize that it's a contract versus a covenant conversation, mm-hmm. then we should like. Why don't we have the same guttural? That's ridiculous response when we hear people feel that way about their marriage. Yep. Because that's the that's the that uh, image gets for me at the difference between contract and covenant really really well. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not about what you get out of it. This is about the promise you made. Mm-hmm. That's a different thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The focus and that maybe that's where the distinction tends to lie. Even in the uh, in the conversation about how they're a little less like cleanly different. Um, the difference tends to lie, I think, in contract is I'm looking to get something out of this and I'll do something in order to get that covenant is I'm looking to do something I'm committing to doing it. Yeah. Now I may get something out of that as well. And if I don't that may be you failing your end of covenant. But I covenant was I promise to give to do this and so I'm going to stick to my promise. Mm. Right. Yep. Um, so the focus is more so on your action than on your receiving. Yeah. On your giving than on your taking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's
0: good. That's good. Well, um it looks like I might be finishing up the question part of this on my own because Jordan's getting pulled into a, a meeting right now. Yes, he is. And it's the service planning meeting. So if you want church on Sunday to be any good, we better let Jordan go guys, I, and get uh, to his meeting.
1: I hope that your groups are awesome <laughs> this week. I look forward to hearing about them.
0: All right. So uh, now just prepare for only superficial comments from me as I talk about covenantal intimacy. All right, Jordan, thanks, man. Have a good one. Uh, Tell everyone we said hi. So, Um, Okay, so Genesis uh, 2.25 is the next verse we're going to here. Um, So let me just uh, pull that up real quick here in my Lagos software. All right. Um, And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So how does the image of being naked and yet uh, unashamed um shape our view of intimacy so um the idea here is that you see one another including your faults right that you're exposed in front of one another um and yet at the same time um you're not ashamed of that you know that you will not be met with rejection but you'll be met with acceptance and love um i can be vulnerable i can be um I can show my real self. I can show my failures to someone else, and I know that, and I know that I'll be accepted. Speaking of being accepted, Curtis, are you joining me for the rest of this discussion? That's right. All right. This is uh, I got I got Curtis Thompson coming in the room here. So nice. I guess Jordan uh, cued you in. Yeah, he tapped me in. You look. You heard? There's a free seltzer involved in the uh, at heard. the end of this. I heard. All right. So we're talking about the concept of being naked and unashamed. So you oh, came in at the right me. spot. Should I take my all jacket right? off? So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. There you go. And uh, well, just make sure you get up and up to that mic too right, there. Right. So yeah, yeah. like up to the oh, mic. Oh, there yeah, there okay. we go. All right, here we are. Hey, don't be don't be don't ashamed. Don't be shy. So I just talked about the uh, about this image here. What are some of the biggest obstacles to true intimacy, both within a marriage and in relationships in general? All right. And obviously the big thing that you, you know, is that sin throws a grenade into all of this. Mm-hmm. Like it mm-hmm. gets, things just get screwed up because of it, right? Like there's reasons to be ashamed and the other person's sin is going to block them from, uh, from accepting you when you show, you know, your vulnerability to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like there's all kinds of things like that. But I think for me, a lot of it is pride, you know, I want other people to think well of me, and if I share a way in which I suck or a way in which I think that you're going to think less of me because of that, like I don't want to do that. You know, right. I don't, I don't want to be vulnerable. Um, what about you? What do you think? What are some obstacles to intimacy and in relationships that you? Yeah. Oh, um,
2: well, I think the biggest obstacle for me in all intimacy was um, any like anything that's within the gospel. Uh, that's in my heart. That's not correct. Like mm. I think that's like the gospel is the engine that gets you towards that intimacy. And so, mm. if something's off there, then that's the biggest hindrance to intimacy. So, um, like I think about, you know, on staff we were reading that that book by Paul David Tripp, mm-hmm. um, but it was talking about how just gospel-centered communities should be ones that are that are intimate and should have that. Um, because, because what, um, what can be revealed about us that isn't covered by the work of Jesus? Like, yeah. you know, um, absolutely. I can't think of anything. So, um, yeah, that that's, yeah. you know, yeah.
0: Yep. Yep. The, the other thing too. And the thing is also like, it's not just an mid- intimacy on the side of like the one who's showing, but also the one who's seeing, right? Like, mm-hmm. so like, how do I react when people, uh, confess sin to me or, mm. or or sin that the someone's done something that's hurt me maybe and and you know, am I an easy person to confess to mm-hmm. and when people start coming up to you to confide in you and things like that is usually a pretty good sign that they've observed that you know you're somebody who can be trusted to not tear someone down mm-hmm. to not take advantage of their vulnerability
2: yeah you know? yeah so
0: how so how? So, how we react to other people's um, vulnerability is another big thing that can either uh, encourage intimacy and say, "Hey, you know what? That was pleasant. I want to do that again," mm-hmm. or it can it can you know tear it apart and and make people more guarded in their relationships. Right? Uh, why is the process of confession of sin and forgiveness essential to every human relationship, especially marriage, and especially as it relates to intimacy? So, the process of confession of sin. And forgiveness,
2: yeah. I mean, right off the bat, I think of the verse in James where, um, if you confess your sins, he's uh, I'm butchering it, but he uh, pretty much healing, like that's what is bringing about. Um, like I think in, in everybody, there's this sense of unwholeness, like there's mm-hmm. something that's uh, broken inside, there's something that's missing inside, and and they're. I feel like confession is a huge part of knitting that back together, is saying it's just verbalizing, hey, this thing feels off. This thing is off. This is how I'm sinning. This is how it's uncontrollable. This is how it's um, tearing apart intimacy. And confessing that is saying, you know, help me, brother or sister, or whoever you're married to, like, help me um, to – knit that back together or to to put the piece back together that's missing so um i think that's why confession is is uh, key to that process is because how else can you um how else can you fit back together yeah um, you're just going to stay in your brokenness if you're not confessing yeah
0: because you know? god has not given us perfection he's given mm-hmm. us but he has given us forgiveness mm-hmm. and so <laughs> unless you've got perfection then you know you're going to be needed to to do uh, confession and forgiveness, mm-hmm. and the the verse um that you that you mentioned reminds me of the of the First John one nine where it's like if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from ri- unrighteousness right and that's an interesting wording right we mm-hmm. we know that verse well but like if we confess our sin he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. So in mm. other words, like the re, like the the thing that gives him the characteristics of faithfulness and justness or rightness is his is his willingness to forgive us when we confess. Mm. And if that's the case, if that's what makes Jesus you know, if if that's one of the ways in which Jesus's faithfulness and righteousness is shown then don't I want to show that same kind of faithfulness and righteousness when when people confess that they've sinned against me? Right. Then the ball is like in my court, right? Because right. it's not just like because when someone confesses, if 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 like I, if you sin against me, right, and you confess it, right, it's like, all right, Curtis is the one who's done wrong now, but now I have the opportunity to be the one who's mm, done wrong too, right. if I am not faithful and righteous in forgiving you right you know? right yeah you could double
2: down on that yeah you know, yeah. Or you could, <laughs> yeah yeah it's weird uh, how
0: it kind of like goes back like it's like back up back at you
2: yeah um, uh actually so the verse i was thinking was james five sixteen. so therefore can i was mixing the both of them up yeah therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another uh, that you yeah. may be healed yep
0: so, yeah 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 totally. yeah. yeah the um the idea of confessing to one, which obviously means we should all go see priests for confession (laughs) every week. Is that what that means? Uh. (laughs) Okay. Um, In the building of intimacy, what is the role of the confessor and what is the role of the one being confessed to? Mm. All right. So I think we've kind of like talked a lot about this, but the role of the confessor I think is honesty. Mm. I also think that there's some wisdom Mm. also Mm -hmm. here. Um, in that um, depending on whom you're confessing to and um, there are different levels of granularity that there can be in confession of sin so let's say i'm a husband and let's say i've looked at pornography mm. right and i feel i need to confess to my wife because she's someone who is who is broken right right my confession to her might look different than my confession to my accountability partner. Right. My right. confession to my accountability partner might be like, yeah, last Wednesday and then the week before that on Tuesday and Thursday I went and did this. Mm-hmm. Whereas my confession to my wife might be like, look, I've been struggling with looking at things I shouldn't have been looking at because the level of of detail that I give I have to be sensitive to what this is doing to her, mm. to what this is going to do to her and to, and to hurt her. And so like, and it's different for every different, all kinds of different people in different right. circumstances, but like there's different levels also in terms of like like if you're confessing in a group, right. right, right. There's also different levels of granularity that, and detail that you would give um, in that, in that kind of circumstance. So I think one of the responsibilities of the confessor is, is wisdom in thinking about it. Right. Also wisdom in owning it. Mm. If you're confessing that you've sinned, then confess that you've sinned, mm. right? Um uh I don't need to give all the excuses, the reasons why I'm actually not such a bad guy. Mm. Like I've done this, and I, I was wrong. It was a sin against God, and it was a sin maybe against you, but against another person. So there's honesty and ownership there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a. those are what I see as responsibilities of the confessor.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that takes time to figure out what, you know, because you want both. You don't want to sacrifice wisdom for mm-hmm. honesty or sacrifice honesty for wisdom so it's like you're trying to find that that blend of both and it takes time because sometimes you you know I think when I was just new to like you know under you know making sense of of the gospel and stuff like that I was sharing everything to everyone (laughs) you know because I'm just like this is you know you want to experience what you experience with Jesus with everybody and then it's and then you have to learn okay wait there's there's a wise way to go about doing this but you don't want to lose that that new freedom yep. you know so yeah, yeah yeah yeah
0: that's a and then the, the the responsibility of the one being confessed to is to immediate uh, like i don't know about you but like for me my responsibility is to immediately start about thinking about the parable of the unforgiving servant mm, you know well, and yeah. to realize that you know um whatever debt whatever this person has done to me um, is nothing compared to what I have done to Christ mm. and um, and so like I have no basis on which I can hold on to anger or re- refuse forgiveness or something on on this account. Uh, of course we often like to we often are careful to stress, that there might be wisdom in terms of what reconciliation looks like and mm-hmm. what the relationship looks like going forward. Like you're not automatically in uh, obligated to like invite your abusive husband back into your house just because he's repentant or something. Right. Like mm-hmm. there might need to be some boundaries up there. Um, but yeah, like that's uh, I think, I think like that's like the prime mm-hmm. responsibility and then like the, um, And then like, even if it's not something they've done against me, if they're just confessing sin in general, then I want to be able to say, um, to meet, to meet that. And this would be, even if they did something against me uh, as well, but to meet that with love also, Mm -hmm. um, to love and understanding and like put my self-righteousness in check.
2: Right. Right. You know, I like that. Yeah. You don't want to, uh, downplay what, what, what you've done to Christ and what he's forgiven. And then yeah I would say just also you know it's it's okay to experience the hurt of it you know sometimes it's a I like the lyric it's a long way to the kitchen sink because you can't wash this one out it's like when someone does you wrong you know, it's like it, it can be tough to to find that forgiveness, yep. but it's there. Yeah, you know. So so look to Jesus, and, and you're hurt. You know. Yeah,
0: absolutely. All right. The final question here in Ephesians five thirty one to thirty two, Paul says that marriage is a profound mystery that refers to Christ and the church. What does this mean?
2: Ooh, <laughs> that's a that's a beautiful that's a beautiful verse. Uh, yeah. Um, I think I mean I think Ryan did it so you know so well in the just in the message of like. Wow, that uh, it is a, a great way to view what covenant love is. You know that, um, yeah. It's just it's crazy that of all the things that you could look at on Earth and say, "Oh, this is what um, you know." Jesus's love for His church is like marriage. Was the one that was like that's probably most yeah most accurately what what it looks like. And yeah, yeah. It's that's a, pretty crazy. It's a
0: relationship that's based on forgiveness that's based on love yeah you know and and i think like that that's the best way that you image christ to the Mm -hmm. world uh the idea of Mm self-sacrifice uh right it um uh he forgave us by giving himself up right right so he he made the relationship possible because he did not count his life as something precious to himself Mm -hmm. uh, you know so yeah, I think I think those and, and so many other things are, you know, where the gospel is found in mm-hmm. in, in marriage mm-hmm. and, and the way in which the world can see it.
2: Right. And permanency, you know. Yep.
0: Just, yeah. Yeah. The permanency of it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. For prayer time, uh, praise God for what he's given you in this season of life, either your marriage or your singleness. Pray for God to help you to honor what he has created, either with your marriage or in your singleness and pray for someone whom you know whose marriage is struggling. In a group setting, it's probably best not to use names. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. So, all right. Well, that's it for the study guide portion. Now I think the it's, part I came for. That's right. I think it's time to go <laughs> g- dive into some seltzers. Ooh. All right. So I just got up to the fridge, and, but it was momentary for you. It was like back to the future. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Uh, all right. So this actually is a gift from Kristen. Uh, Kristen Gorder here. She took a picture of these and sent it to me uh, from the sh- supermarket months ago. Forgot about them. Mm-hmm. But this is uh Sanzo or Sanzo. How would you say that? S-A-N-Z-O. Yeah. Sanzo brand. Uh, lychee. Mm-hmm. Lychee. Sparkling water. Not to be confused with seltzer now. Yeah. Right? So there's a fine distinction. So, so made from and real fruit. Yeah. Uh, no
2: added sugars and then there's a great detailed uh just kind of things it's like the constitution of this can it says the first asian inspired sparkling water lychee are floral fragrant and just the right amount of sweet
0: all right are high
2: you, words so you're going with lychee
0: lychee Should that's see, what it, how does yeah. let me see Play how this pronounces it
2: oh is that going to go through headphones
0: Leachy, you're right. I, was I know yeah. Lychee. Lychee. What on. kind of Come on, man. am I? So this looks like a little prickly kind of looks like a strawberry, but uh, but it looks like you peel it. Yeah. All right. Let's uh let's so a, give it a little sip Oh I'm not loving the smell. It oh, smells yeah. like tomato juice.
2: Yeah, it does.
0: Like like if someone was like just blind smell test I might be like, That's V eight.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. You ever uh, have a V eight? Yeah, I have had a V eight, yeah. I love VAs. Should have had one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right. Well, cheers. Cheers, man. Cheers. All right. Drink up. Yep. Does this go negatives?
0: I can't say I'm a fan.
2: Does this go? Can you give it a negative bubble?
0: <laughs> Are there negative bubbles? Oh, no. I hope Kristen's not listening this far <laughs> into the episode.
2: Oh, no. Oh, no. You could scan okay. here and be friends with the can.
0: I'm not saying I wouldn't like a lychee lychee. But I don't know if I'm that into the seltzer. Yeah. Yeah. It has an odd tomato-y flavor to me.
2: What do you think Nietzsche would think of this lychee? Oh you know?
0: man, he's he'd be like like
2: rolling in his grave. The seltzer
0: uh, god is dead.
2: Yeah. Wow.
0: Um yeah. Um powerful aftertaste.
2: If you like the taste of a lychee fruit, you might like it.
0: I think in honor to Kristen, I'm going to have to drink all of it. But normally, I might pour the rest down the drain.
2: Yeah. Sorry, Kristen. Uh, this is going <laughs> down the drain.
0: So how would you describe the flavor, though? I feel like we're not. Yeah. I'm going to say some some vegetable juice. There's a vegetable flavor to it.
2: Yeah. I mean, I would say, um, you know, I, I haven't played soccer in a long time. But when you take your shin guard off the back of it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like you lick – yeah, every time I lick a shin guard. (laughs) I didn't didn't lick it. I'm just saying it's gross. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know.
2: I thought of – I don't know.
0: Yeah. um, It's not not sweet. It's not – it's kind of like if you had a fruit that was sitting out for too long.
2: You know what? This one word just changed my mind, though. Um, Whether these flavors are a taste of home or a source of discovery. I feel like – it's close definitely your eyes, a source of disgust. Close your eyes and imagine, like, a foreign, like, sci-fi film land that you just went to, and this is what you yes. tasted from a stream.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah. You'd be like, wow. Like, I'm on planet Klingon. Yeah. Yeah, now, I mean, I, I, I'd, like, be the first to admit that, like, this is probably just my, like, Americanism coming to the mm, forefront, fair, you know, fair. where, like, yep. I'm used to fruit being this, and I'm just not, like... So maybe this is like spot on, and if you really like lychee, then.
2: Well, yeah. The other thing is it says made with uh, or no added sugar. See, that should have been my first red flag. Right
0: <laughs> well, most <laughs> seltzers don't have added sugar. I know, I'm but not like, look, that add some here. sugar to that thing. Yeah, yeah it might be. You yeah. Know, let's it might be right yeah. yeah, let's go add sugar right now. Let's go add some some, some Splendas. <laughs> yeah, to it. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it. Yeah, so I'll fully acknowledge that part of this might just be me being like a. Um, you know, an ignorant, uh, yeah. Warlord. Yeah. Warlord. (laughs) Um, but, uh, I cannot give this, I might have to say half a bubble.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like
0: I wouldn't buy it again, but maybe if you're into, into lychee, maybe it'll be your thing. So change my mind. But how many bubbles are you giving it?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to go. I'll, I'll, I'll join you there. Half bubble, half bubble would not recommend.
0: All All right. So, uh, Kudos to Kristen for going out of the box and getting us something exotic. That's true. I am going to interrogate her as to whether or not she's had this.
2: I don't think she has. I don't
0: know if she'd be giving it to us if she did. Unless her taste buds are much more diverse than ours, much more open to new experiences. That's right.
2: That's right. Yeah. So,
0: all right. Well, there you go. The Sanzo Lychee for the brave among you. Wow. All right. Uh, With that, um, I want to bid you all a farewell and adieu, and look forward to being with you again next week. And until then, let's
2: go. Let's go.